athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. You've got from the press box to press row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. I am your host, Donald Ware. A little bit after 7 in the East, 4 p.m. out west, and we've got some games that are going on. I'm, I'm looking at my sheet. I mean, even though this thing just started today, I mean, I think I'm in pretty good shape on today. What I want to talk about on today, because we've got a lot to get to, and of course, is this is your first time hearing this program we've been doing from the press box to press row now for 15 and a half years. The program has been on the air for 15 and a half years. It's been on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM since October of 2020. So what we do here, we're going to talk a lot of HBCU sports. That's what we do. Uh, of course, we're going to also talk college sports appropriately for ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. So, you know, so with that being said, like yesterday was a good day for HBCUs in basketball. Like it so Stillman, those that don't know Stillman, Stillman College is in Tuscaloosa, not far from the University of Alabama. And Tusca and uh, Stillman had made a nice run in the NAIA tournament. Unfortunately, fell to the University of St. Francis on yesterday, 69 and 67. I didn't have a chance to look at the game, but I was following the play-by-play online, and St. Francis had gone to the free throw line. It was 69 and 67. Um, I don't know ultimate. I didn't have a chance to, to see the recap, but it looked like Stillman had an opportunity to win that game. It looked like they maybe the it was a front end of a one-and-one one or two free throws were missed. Stillman had an opportunity because the next thing I saw after 69 and 67, the score, I saw a foul by Stillman, and then – it's the, just the next thing I saw said offensive rebound by Stillman. And then that was it. So I don't know. Obviously something happened in between, but in any event, Stillman loses that game uh, 69 and 67. So Stillman's season uh, is over, but I'm going to tell you who's still playing. As a matter of fact, Texas Southern is still playing a big time. Like Texas Southern had a huge victory. Yesterday over Mount St. Mary's. Mount St. Mary's made a nice run at the end. If you look at what Texas Southern was able to do, down 10 points at halftime, came out on an 11-0 run, took the lead. Then they sort of held on to that lead, then sort of towards the end expanded it a little bit and ultimately held on for that victory because Mount St. Mary's was extremely tough. And joining us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row, Texas Southern head men's basketball coach, Johnny Jones. 
Johnny Jones knows a little bit of something about March Madness, of course, being the former head coach and assistant coach, for that matter, at LSU. He was an assistant coach at LSU when Shaquille O'Neal was there, Shaq, and then was also the head coach for Ben Simmons when Ben Simmons was at LSU. So Johnny Jones is going to join us a little bit later on today here on the program. Again, obviously a lot of media responsibilities for the teams that are in the tournament. And so we're going to wait our turn. And, and we're fortunate, actually, because they don't do a lot of one-on-ones. So we're fortunate to be able to talk to Johnny Jones a little bit later on here on the program. Also, a big day, like I mentioned, for HBCUs. Even though Stillman didn't win, still made it deep into the NAIA tournament. Texas Southern wins. Also winning, Norfolk State. Norfolk State also won on yesterday, defeated App State by one point. And, I mean, Norfolk State was crushing App State. Give App State a lot of credit. Uh, came back. But ultimately, uh, this was an App State, a, a uh, Norfolk State team that was able to hold on. You go back to, what was that, 2012 or 2013 when Norfolk State was a number 15 seed. Right, upset Missouri, who was a number two seed in the first round. Well, Robert Jones was an assistant coach on that team that upset Missouri. He's now the head coach at Norfolk State. He's also going to join us today here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Listen, it's football season. Even though it's basketball season, it's also football season. HBCU football, no question about it, is big time. Tennessee State getting its first victory of the season last Sunday, defeated EIU 20-19. One of our box to row national players of the week, the kicker Antonio Zeta, three of four on field goals, made a a 62-yarder in the game, made a 51-yarder in the game, and then also kicked a 35-yarder as time expired to propel ultimately Tennessee State. And by the way, our other box to row national player of the week, Jalen Jones, the quarterback for Jackson State, who's now 3-0 on the season, ranked number one with the media in the HBCU football polls, number two with the coaches in the HBCU football polls. Jalen Jones, 14 of 27, 250 yards, three touchdowns, rushed for another 42 yards and a touchdown in Jackson State's romp of Mississippi Valley State, 43-7. to And by the way, like I'm all for, I got to say this, I'm all for HBCU football, been all for it, no question about it. Um, We're seeing a lot of these HBCU games, and not really the HBCU games, I would say more specifically Jackson State is being shown on ESPN2, obviously because Deion Sanders is the head football coach. I'm going to say this, um, HBCU football has been around a long time. It's been very good for a long time. So when Deion Sanders moves on from Jackson State, I hope that ESPN is still going to show HBCU football games on ESPN2, particularly of good teams, because it's not about the coach. It's about the team. And Jackson State's got a good team, right? I'm not sure that Jackson State is the best team in Uh, HBCU football currently and I've seen some really great teams come through HBCU football more recently how about the run by North Carolina A&T still three-time defending 
HBCU national champs. Now, of course, a is not going to be able to defend its crown this year because it has opted out. It's going to be in the Big South, by the way, uh, on next year. But I hope that we will still see more games, HBCU games, not just on ESPNU, which is cool. ESPN3 is okay. Like, I'm not a guy that's going to sit back and look at games on my phone like I, I may, right? It, you know, I may, but I'm not that guy. But if it's on ESPNU, I'm going to watch. If it's on ESPN2, I mean, that's more of a bigger audience. Definitely going to watch. I'm just hoping that because Dion's the coach, we're seeing a lot of these games. Jackson State's a good program, right? Got a, they got some talent. It's not the best program I've seen. So hopefully we'll continue to see those games, other programs on ESPN2 uh, as well. As a matter of fact, the Box to Row National Game of the Week is Jackson State and Alabama State. Alabama State is hosting Jackson State tomorrow in Montgomery. And I'm going to preview that game and give you my thoughts on who I think is going to win that football game. If you want to jump in here on from the press box to press row, hit me up via Twitter at box to row, B O X T O R O W, or on Facebook, B O X the number two R O W on my personal Twitter account at Dware One at Dware One, and on my personal Instagram account at where Donald follow both while you're there. So let's do this. We're gonna step aside and we're gonna take a break. Again, still to come. Texas Southern head men's basketball coach Johnny Jones, Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones still on the way. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, we're going to be joined by Tennessee State head football coach Rod Reed. Boy, we've got a jam-packed show. we got March Madness covered for you. we got HBCU football covered for you. So keep it locked right here. Channel 84. On the way, it's more of From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Right, 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 right here. Right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're joined by a gentleman who is in his 11th season as the head football coach at Tennessee State. The Tigers coming off a big win over Eastern Illinois. As a matter of fact, 21-20, to they won it on an Antonio Zeta Field goal, 35-yard field goal with no time on the clock. Antonio Zeta, the Box to Row National Co-Player of the Week. Rod Reed, again, the head football coach at Tennessee State, joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Reed, welcome back to the program. Hey, man, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Always good to have you. Great win. You guys needed it. 
your thoughts on your team's victory over EIU. Yeah, like you said, it was a much-needed win. You know, we've come off two tough losses to uh, Austin P and uh, Jacksonville State. And, uh, you know, we need to get a good taste in our mouth. And our kids have been working hard all year. You know, with you know with limited uh, practice time. And, you know, we hadn't played in so long, you know, before our first two games. And, uh, you know, we came out a little sluggish. Uh, but, you know, I thought, you know, the second half of uh, Austin P we played really, really well. Uh, we just let them get out to that big start. And same with Jacksonville State, you know, fourth quarter with 21-16 with an opportunity there and just kind of ran out of gas. But we were able to put it together uh, against EIU, and uh, our guys played well on both sides of the ball. Uh, we were able to, you know, not give up 14 points in the first quarter for once and be able to play uh, good first half football. And then uh, we made some adjustments at halftime, and we were able to come out and move the ball and, uh, you know, get enough points to win. Yeah, the first two games kind of take us through those. The first game was a loss to Austin P, and then the loss last week to to Jacksonville State. Do, what did you see? Did you feel like even from those two games, this could be the breakthrough in terms of the game against EIU, the breakthrough you needed to finally get a victory? Yeah, you know, I thought after our, our, our first game against Austin P, we really let one get away. Uh, we gave up 21 first quarter points and uh, we weren't able to recover from it. I thought after the first quarter, uh, you know, we outplayed them, you know, the rest of the game. And, uh, you know, we just didn't, uh, we, we, you know, we just gave up so many points in that first quarter uh, that we couldn't overcome it. And it was a quagmire out there, and it was raining uh, it was extremely hard. I mean, it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a quagmire out there, like I said. And we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't respond well to it uh, in the first half. But in the second half, you know, we played really well. Uh, and, you know, we had an opportunity uh, with a couple minutes on the clock to go down there and score, and uh, we didn't get it done. And then Jacksonville State, you know, we had, I think they were ranked number 16 team in the country coming in here. And, uh, you know, we got down 14-0, and we were able to uh, come back and cut it to 21-16, you know, uh, early in the fourth quarter there. And, uh, you know, we, we just couldn't mount enough drives and get anything going, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter uh, to get us over the hump. And we allowed them to score again in the fourth quarter a couple of times. So, you know, you saw improvement, though, uh, from the first week to the second week. You know, we saw some good things. Isaiah Green starting to come around now, getting a little more comfortable uh, with the offense, which, you know, uh, going into our first game, he didn't play until, I think, the fourth quarter because he only had taken, you know, one day of reps because he still his eligibility is still in question. And uh, he only practiced one day that week. So, you know, we feel like once we get him going pretty good and, you know, got some things fixed on the offensive line, defensively, you know, we just got to stay sound and not give up big plays. We don't give up big plays and make teams earn it. Uh, I feel pretty good about it, man. Our kids been playing hard. You know, we hadn't, you know, laid down in any games. All of these games have been really, really competitive. So uh, hopefully we can take this into this week with Murray State and put together a good game plan and allow our kids to go out there and execute. Rod Reed is the head football coach at Tennessee State. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Uh, and, you know, Antonio Zeta, like, he should have been, at least in my opinion, first team all OVC back in 2019. I mean, he kicks, a, what, a, 50, a 51-yarder for you? But take me through your de- the decision to allow him to kick a 62-yarder when you guys were down 17-15 to 15 with 4-10 remaining. He connects, and it puts you up one at that time. Well, I mean, you know, just watching them in the warm-ups, you know, it, it was a pretty uh, significant wind out there. And, uh, 
you know, I watched him kicking warm-ups, and he made a couple of those uh, actually a little longer uh, in warm-up, just kicking off his stand. And, uh, you know, he said he felt good from about 60, you know, with the wind at his back. And, you know, I kind of laughed and chuckled a little bit. But I did see him in the warm-up uh, kick it, and uh, he told me he was good from 53 going into the wind. So, you know, you got to trust your players. You know, they're out there kicking it, and I always go out with the kickers pregame and watch them kick and we talk about wind and, you know, things that we need to do, uh, you know, as far as kickoffs and, you know, punting into the wind and things of that nature. So uh, when the, you know, when the moment presented itself, you know, I looked him square in his eye and he said, I can make it. And uh, I said, all right, let's go field goal. Uh, and he went out there and drilled it. Yeah. Now, I remember you telling me or telling us, I think, back even before last year was supposed to have started that he was going to uh, transfer. He ultimately did not state with you what led to the decision for him to stay. And I, I know you guys are happy for it. Well, actually, he did transfer to uh, West Florida, which was a D2 school. And, uh, you know, he got down there and I kind of figured out the grass wasn't green on the other side. And, you know, we talked and, uh, you know, we both, you know, mutually when he did it, you know, he just felt like some spiritually – uh, that he had to do, and I told him, you know, uh, he had my, you know, my blessings, and you know, he went down, and then, you know, he called me and said he, you know, he made a mistake and he wanted to come back, and I said sure, <laughs> and uh, so we got him back in and got him back eligible and whatnot, and uh, that's where we are right now. Yeah, that's it's a great thing. I mean, the kid is an absolutely great kicker. Uh, so let's talk about Isaiah Grink transfers in uh, from Marshall. Just your thoughts on how he's played so far this year. Well, you know, he got got off rough a little bit, you know, uh, trying to force a few things in the first couple of games. You know, obviously the first game he hadn't had very many reps, but he did move us down the field to score, and uh, we, he moved us down in position to, you know, score, uh, you know, in the last, you know, two minutes of that game. So, uh, you know, I felt pretty good about him going into the second week, getting a week of practice, but, you know, he still, you know, missed a few. I mean, I mean we missed – we overthrew, I think, two or three touchdown passes in the Jacksonville State game. And uh, and that's just getting comfortable with his receivers, getting some extra work after practice on different routes. And I think the more comfortable he gets, you know, the better off we'll be and uh, the better off he'll be. And I think right now he's settling in, you know, with the offense uh, and his receivers and hopefully, you know, it'll pay dividends this week. Only three games in. Who has surprised you in terms of the way they've played so far this season? Uh, you know, we, we knew that we had a good player in Cam White. Uh, he was another transfer kid in from uh, Lindsey Wilson, came from a lower division school, but a very talented kid. You know, uh, he's done a really good job for us. And then, you know, we got a freshman linebacker, Maude Nelson, uh, who uh, a true freshman, you know, normally coming in at the linebacker spot. That's not, you know, at the Mike linebacker, you really don't want to throw him in there. But he hadn't been a starter for us, but he's played really good when he's been in there. Uh, Chris Walker, another freshman defensive end uh, from Sanford, Florida, has done a good job for us. Uh, and uh, Davion Hawkins, uh, you know, he's a kid that transferred in from Kentucky uh, that's playing really well at the defensive tackle and DN spot. So, uh, and, and Zaya Thornton, the true freshman wide receiver, has gave us some significant minutes uh, in doing a good job. And we all know that we knew that Devon Starlin, the kid that was right from here in Nashville, uh, he's Mr. Football here uh, in the state of Tennessee in his division. Uh, he, you know, walked on at Memphis, got down there and wasn't getting a – uh, minutes that he would like and you know he, he's come here and as a freshman uh, he's really lit it up for us and been a big spark for us on offense. Nick Harper Jr. how would you assess obviously the big name everybody knows him how's he playing so far? 
Uh, Nick's been a little sporadic, but, you know, he's been solid out there, you know. But he does draw, you know, the best receiver uh, from every team every week. You know, we kind of match him up uh, with those guys. So, he's uh, he's solid, man. Nick, Nick is solid. He's a good player. Uh, and we're really lucky to have him on our team. And, and one kid I forgot was uh, Ken Andrews. You know, we had a kid, a couple of kids go down at the safety spot. And uh, he's a true freshman from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, he started the last couple of games. And he's been, I think, the team leader in tackles uh, or second in tackles in both of those games. Rod Reed, again, the head football coach at Tennessee State, joins us here on the program. So you're on the road this week, uh, 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 Sunday, uh, against Murray State. Um, Your thoughts on what the Erasers bring to the table? Well, they're a good football team. You know, they got a new coach in Dean Hood. He's not new to this conference. Uh, Dean's a good friend of mine. Uh, he was at East Kentucky and, uh, you know, went to Kentucky to be their special teams coordinator. And, uh, you know, they hired him back on over at uh, Murray State. And Dean is just – he's a class guy. You know, I, I know his M.O. They want to be a physical football team. You know, they're a downhill running football team. So we've got to be a really physical team. We've got to, you know, fit our gaps and be able to stop the run and kind of make them one-dimensional. But with that being said, uh, you know, they got a really good quarterback and a couple of good receivers that they get the ball to. So uh, we've got to be really on our, our game uh, come Sunday because, uh, you know, you go up to Murray State, it isn't the most favorable place to play. It's a one-sided stadium. Uh, it's really windy. So uh, it's going to be a challenge for us, but I think our kids will be up for it. Again, Rod Reed in his 11th season as the head football coach at Tennessee State. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Tigers on the road on Sunday taking on Murray State, trying to make it two in a row. Coach Reed, always appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Tigers. All right, thanks. Go Big Blue. Of course, Tennessee State looking to make it two in a row while Murray State is 3-0 and on the season. Still to come here. On from the press box to press row, going to be joined by Nuffolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones. The Spartans coming off that 54-53 victory over App State on Thursday. Up next here on from the press box to press row, we're going to be joined by Johnny Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Texas Southern. Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio, right here on Sirius XM. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Donald Ware. Donald Ware. As promised, let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row. We're joined by a gentleman in his third season as the head men's basketball coach at Texas Southern. The Tigers have done it again, winning a game in the NCAA tournament on yesterday. 60 to 52 over Mount St. Mary's. Next up for the Tigers is Michigan. Again, Johnny Jones in his third season as the head men's coach at TSU joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Jones, congratulations on yesterday's victory and welcome back to the program. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, exciting time for us in the program and I uh, think we're trying to do everything we can to represent our great university, our community in the city in which we live, uh, and at the same time, our great conference that we are certainly affiliated with. No question about it. Of course, Texas Southern in the heart of the big city of Houston. So uh, your thoughts, the victory, 60-52 to 52 over Mount St. Mary's. As I mentioned, tennis, uh, Texas Southern does it again, winning another game in the NCAA tournament. 
Yes, I, I thought it was uh, big for us. You know, one, uh, winning the uh, conference championship, having an opportunity to cut those nets down and know that we punched our ticket to get to the NSA tournament. And you know the caliber competition that you're going to have to, to face once you get here, field of 68 and having a chance to play. So it was it had been exciting for us. And then the, to be able to get out there on that floor and for guys to play at the level that they did there in the uh, second half, stand focused, uh, was certainly exciting uh, for us. And uh, because you know going in, uh, everybody's not counting you in, but we knew those guys in the locker room felt uh, that if they played at a certain level that there was an opportunity for them to possibly have some success. And to see that their hard work really paid off uh, is really, really exciting. And that's what you look forward to, uh, just the smile and the uh, jubilation uh, that goes along with that, especially with our, our, our players. No question about it. I, you know, 30-20, to 20, I didn't, uh, and I'll be honest, I didn't see any of the first half, unfortunately. You're down 30-20. to 20. I mean, I turned it on right at the start of the second half. The 11 to nothing run, and that's really what started this thing and ultimately propelled your team to victory. Can you speak specifically to that run? Because not only, I mean, obviously you got to score points, but you also uh, locked them down defensively. Well, this group, uh, oh, several occasions, uh, more often than not, we've gone into halftime with a deficit. And our guys have done an excellent job of coming back out um, after halftime with a different focus uh, and attention to detail in making plays, which gives us an opportunity uh, to be successful. And uh, so going in at halftime is nothing that our guys would be rattled. Uh, about uh, because we've uh, somewhat that's something that we've actually uh, been somewhat used to and in uh, even late in games uh, under the four or five minute mark uh, having deficits and these guys have never been rattled uh, just coming back because they have a certain assurance about themselves uh, which is a great positive uh, for us uh, that they can remain focused and uh, continue to play well. Johnny Jones, again, in his third season as the head men's basketball coach at Texas Southern. He joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. There was a specific play uh, because, you know, you made the run, then it went back and forth, and it was it was really like it was just really a good basketball game. Uh, but I want to talk more specifically uh, and I don't. Re- I can't remember who who got it, but it was uh, it was. Uh, it must have been. I think it was Nicholas who got that dunk. Nicholas Carl, that that follow up dunk. Can you speak to that? That seemed to sort of take your team uh, to another level. Well, these guys compete uh, and they play extremely hard, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, I'm I know I'm the head basketball coach, and I'm with them every day, but I love actually watching them play. Uh, in getting after it because the style that they play with and the passion that they play the game with. And uh, so there in the second half, I thought they did a great job of flying to the basketball, uh, making extra plays. And one of our mottos is making sure that we play every second, every play. These guys have been able to do that, and they show that. They play with a great deal of passion uh, because they respect the game. Yeah, can you speak to – the sort of the mindset and the defensive philosophy, if you will, specifically in the second half in terms of trying to guard. I know he's hard to guard, but Davian Chong Kui, I mean, he is like super quick, but you guys did a, a fairly decent job on him in the second half. Well, we just had to try and change a little bit of our ball screen coverage uh, with him. They, they've done a, they, their program have done a tremendous job 
uh, of utilizing ball screens and bringing them off of it in the angles that they use. And we had to make some adjustments last night uh, that was going to be beneficial to us to make sure that we created uh, tougher opportunities for him to uh, not only uh, score baskets, but uh, for him to make other people around him better. And so we had to give him some different looks because any time we did the same thing over a certain period of time, he would get used to it and uh, uh, he would make us pay and they would be successful. So throughout the series of the uh, second half, we continued to switch up our uh, coverages, but at the same time extended our defense full court that forced them to play a little bit faster than they did in the first half. Assess the play of – I mean – it was it was definitely a team effort, uh, but I mean, when you look at the numbers, John Walker the third, nineteen points in the game. He also had nine rebounds, timely three pointer. You know, speak about talk about his play. Well, good thing about uh, John Walker, he can hurt you from a lot of different ways on both ends of the floor. He has ability to block shots, rebound. He can defend one through five uh, because of his foot speed. He's quick. He has great length. Uh, and at the same time, he can really score. So he can really impact the game. And last night, uh, he had a challenge, and he felt like the matchup that he had was beneficial to him because of his quickness. And he knew he had to play at a certain level uh, because the guy that he was playing against was uh, voted Defensive Player of the Year in their league. And I thought John did a great job of scoring a lot of different angles and making plays last night. Uh, then they think it would help and was one of the deciding factors for the game. I mean, you know, you're no stranger to tournament play, While whether an assistant coach, uh, a head coach in previous stops, and now, of course, uh, at Texas Southern. And, you know, I've talked with you about your coaching staff, and in, in specific, Randy Peel, who has been a former um, a head coach uh, at the Division One level. So can you to speak to um, – because you guys never were rattled. You you specifically never really, the camera shots that they showed, never really looked rattled. You guys had been there before. How did you, however, convey that message to the Tigers at halftime, again, for them to be able to make that 11 to nothing run to start the second half? Well, again, you know, that's uh, not uncommon territory for us to be uh, at a deficit at halftime. And we always feel like, you know, there's a 40-minute game that first 20 minutes is really, really important. Uh, that last 20 minutes is probably the most important uh, in, in the uh, game, and uh, we have to value that. And I think our guys have become comfortable uh, with adjustments that we make and, and, and trying to do what we can to make our opponents uncomfortable, give us the best opportunities to win. good thing is they believe in it, uh, they trust it, and uh, they trust each other. And at the end of the day, I think they have a heart uh, for winning and they've put forth the effort. So as coaches, I think if uh, we do the best possible job that we can in terms of giving them the best scouting report and preparation uh, for our opponent, uh, they've done a remarkable job of going out and carrying out the assignments that they need to to allow us to be successful. Gang, Johnny Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Texas Southern, joins us here on the program. A couple more thoughts. Uh, so your reward for beating Mount St. Mary's is two days later, and really less than 48 hours later, you get to play Michigan, uh, number one seed. How do you, and that's tomorrow at 2 p.m., how do you sort of approach uh, this game and the matchup against the Wolverines? Well, our guys uh, definitely are familiar with their program. It's not that I have to go in and, 
and boost their program up and talk about how great they are. They're number one seed. I think it speaks for itself. Uh, they play in a great conference uh, there in the Big Ten. And uh, for them to have won that conference uh, speaks volumes. And uh, so we know that we got a work cut out uh, for us tomorrow. The good thing is in our preseason that with a lot of the guys on this team, they've played number one teams in the country. They've played teams from Power Five and tough conferences. And, and that's pretty much what we do uh, at the beginning of the uh, season. And, and basically most of the games – uh, in, in our non-conference schedule. So this won't be anything new. It's almost like having an uh, out-of-conference game uh, at the end of our season uh, is what it boils down to because it's generally what we normally match up against are top-seeded teams from Power 5 conferences. So our guys won't be in awe, but they do know that uh, we're playing a very good team and uh, on the biggest stage, and, and we will have an opportunity to share that stage tomorrow. Last thought, your guy... Ben Simmons is playing unbelievably. 76ers are playing some really good basketball. Uh, you know, he's playing unbelievably out of his mind and, and more specifically on the defensive end. Uh, I, I know that's – I mean, I know you're proud, but but how – you know, when you look at his development and where he is now and probably playing the best he's played in his career, what comes to your mind? Well, I'm just excited that uh, we had an opportunity and a part to share in that. Uh, that we were able to spend that year together, and it's special uh, to be able to follow him and to see his progression. And I know uh, Doc Rivers is going to continue to do a, a remarkable job uh, with him and possibly put him in more positions that he's going to be comfortable in play to Ben's strength. Um, at the end of the day, that's going to be more productive to give the um, Philadelphia 76ers the best opportunity and best chance to win. Johnny Jones in his third season as the head men's basketball coach at Texas Southern joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Tigers going to take on Michigan in the NCAA tournament tomorrow at 2 p.m. Coach Jones, I appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Tigers. I certainly appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time, and go Tigers. You got it, Coach Jones. And, I mean, I must say this again with all of the media uh, opportunities there on site in the Zooms and all of that. We really appreciate Texas Southern's media relations office uh, helping to connect us with Coach Jones. And, of course, you got preparation. I mean, that's a, you know, you talk about turnaround time. Like, that's less than 48 hours to now try to prepare for a number one seed or a number one seed Michigan. So you want to react to anything that Johnny Jones had to say, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We continue on the other side as Norfolk State head men's basketball coach Robert Jones joins us. The old renaissance is the new renaissance, standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Now, back to From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. We try.
track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Eight seasons in as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State is Robert Jones as the Spartans coming off the big 54-53 victory on yesterday over Appalachian State. And the Spartans on tomorrow going to take on Gonzaga's Robert Jones joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Jones, welcome back to the program. Hey, hey, what's going on? Glad to have you, especially now I know you got a lot of media availabilities and so forth, so thank you for making some time. Uh, your thoughts, one-point victory over App State in the NCAA tournament. I mean, it was a great uh, team victory. Um, you know, it seemed like every game yesterday was like a close game. Uh, I think there's a lot of jitter uh, with the teams right now. And uh, we were able to pull it out. You know, in NCAA tournament, like we told the guys, that every team is a good team. So a 16-point lead we had at one point means nothing because that team that you're playing against probably has some fight in them. And App State did, and they made the game. They actually took the lead by a couple of points, and we showed the fight that we had. And we came back and took the lead So and won the game, I should say. And, um you know, it's just a, just a great college basketball game, great college, you know, NCAA tournament game to start with the first day. No question about it. Um, yeah, speak to that a little bit more because you had the big lead and then ultimately your team had to show some resiliency down, uh, what, six points, as much as six points in the second half, but still able to pull it out by one. Yeah, we had to just show some calm, some resolve. Um, I know I had, I had, it had to start with me. I think if I start to panic, they're going to panic. If they can see panic on my face, um, they're going to panic because I'm the leader. And uh, what I try to do is I just try to just make sure that I didn't show any signs of it, no matter if I thought the game was getting out of hand or whatever run they might have been on. Um, it really was just a, a quiet, you know, just thinking about the next play, next move, what are we going to do. Because, you know, basketball is like chess. you got to figure out what you're going to do next. And um, with that being said, I was, you know, I was quiet and um, – I was thinking, and I told these guys that we're going to win the basketball game, and we did exactly that. Jalen Hawkins was huge for you, 24 points. He's off the bench, 4 of 5 from three-point range, 8 of 13 from the field, and he was especially big in the first half. Speak to, to his play and how big uh, his play was in this ball game. Uh, Jalen, of course, we needed all 20 of those points that he had in the first half. I mean, with a low-scoring game the way it was, you know, the uh, bastards was, was hard to come by. And he was able to uh, to make up a lot of them for us. So, um, with that being said, you know we needed every single point that he was able to give us. That's the voice of Robert Jones in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State joins us here on from the press box to press row. In eight seasons, I might say the uh, his eight seasons as the head coach, the Spartans have made some postseason six times. So that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Of course, this is the first time uh, in his tenure that the uh, the uh, Spartans are in the NCAA uh, tournament. Joe Bryant, man, he's just so steady, right? He's just been a steady player for you for these years. You know, talk about his play in this game. Uh, Joe, I mean, he, um, you know, he didn't have his best game, but he had some key moments for us. He had a big three. Um, you know, he made uh, uh, another couple shots. But like I said, he didn't have his best game, and we were just able to survive without him having his best game. So that's a, a, a credit to really the – the rest of the young men in this whole situation. What do you remember about that team from 2012? What do you remember most? Not not really about that team, but that moment in the NCAA tournament in winning that game against Missouri from 2012. In 2012, I remember the, the experience. I remember the jubilation once we won that game. 
Uh, I remember the 18,000 fans going crazy, you know, that we won the game. And um, it was just, you know, amazing experience. And I, I remember us, like, you know, getting walking into a steakhouse and the whole steakhouse standing up for things like that. So I remember that stuff. Yeah. Seven wins in a row, right? It, it began it's, – it, it's interesting that it began with a win against Morgan State and then the next night – you were able to defeat Morgan State again. That was back on February 13th and 14th. And I think what's what's interesting is a lot of times we've seen a lot of these back-to-backs, and normally it'll be, or not normally, but a lot of times it'll, it'll be a split. Uh, and because the team that lost makes an adjustment, so on and so forth. But you beat Morgan twice that time and in the uh, championship game, and that was last week. What did it mean to you uh, to ultimately win that MEAC tournament championship? Uh, first of all, the tournament championship, I mean, that was a big thing. You know, we've been so close for so long, and we finally had the breakthrough that we wanted. So uh, us beating Morgan, you know, they're a quality team. I think they have probably the best talent in the league. And for us to beat them four times this year was amazing. What has sort of this year, the regular season, sort of been like, you know, for you all? I mean, you've missed some games, obviously, because of – not necessarily because of you've, you've had COVID, but just the COVID situation – what has this year been like for you? I mean, it's been tough. You know, you're trying to stay as, as safe as you can be. And, um, I mean, it was a tough year. I mean, right now we're about to go to practice uh, for, to get ready for Gonzaga. But, um, you, know, it's, you know, it's just been a tough year. Last thought, uh, Gonzaga. Your, your thoughts on uh, Gonzaga. How do you approach uh, this game against Gonzaga? I mean, you guys approach it four minutes at a time. Um, you know, it's it's like you know, just four minutes at a time. You got to take it. You know, we know what you know. We know what we're going against. Uh, we're thirty-four point underdogs, I think. So there's no pressure on us. We got to come and just you know play and just you know see what the chips may fall. Robert Jones again in his eighth season as the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. The Spartans going to take on Gonzaga on tomorrow. Coach Jones, appreciate the time. Good luck to you and the Spartans. All right, thank you. Appreciate you. Robert Jones, the head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State, joining us here on the program. I chuckle a little bit because I like how he slipped in real quick that he was getting ready to had to get ready to go to practice without actually saying it in case you didn't catch it. So, you know, definitely want to be respectful of the time and very appreciative of the time. These uh, these teams have practices. They have media responsibilities. So uh, thank you to Norfolk State Media Relations for making Robert Jones available to us. If you want to react to anything that Robert Jones had to say, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. I, w- I want to look, and we have some games currently going on right now, but I want to sort of look at the games for tomorrow. And I want to talk a little bit about, we didn't talk last week about Georgetown. Georgetown ultimately winning the Big East. I almost like. I almost feel bad for Colorado in some respects. I mean, you go through the Pac-12, play a good season, have some big wins. I mean, I thought Colorado had some big wins on the season, only to end up with a with a fairly decent seed. So it's not like they got a a bad seed in terms of the number. That's they're the number five seed. The problem is that they have to play Georgetown. Georgetown's hot. Right now, Georgetown's really playing some good basketball right now. The Hoyas are hot. The disrespect 
that Patrick Ewing felt coming to Madison Square Garden where the he, he had to show a credential and all of those kind of things, I think he used that as fuel to fuel the Hoyas. Because if you look at the Hoyas through the season, and I get it, the Big East is tough. Like, really, I mean, I think, you know, the Big Ten was very, very tough, tough this year, probably the best conference. While I don't think the SEC was great, I mean, it may have been – as decent as it's been in some years, right? I mean, Alabama was really good this year. You've got some other teams that are playing pretty good. But the Big East, I mean, the ACC's down this year. The Big East is going to be steady. Uh, And I think the ACC got some teams in just on reputation of the ACC. But, I mean, the Big East is going to be steady. And I just think that Georgetown is playing tremendous right now. Like, it's all about timing especially when you enter the tournament. How hot are you when you enter the tournament and the Hoyas are hot right now? I mean, Colorado had a good season, but, I mean, I've got I've got actually Georgetown moving on in this game a, a little bit. So that's a 12-15 Eastern tip. You look at UNCG and Florida State. I mean, UNCG, I mean, is really building a program, right? But, I mean – Florida State, of course, lost the ACC tournament. Um, and by the way, even before I t- talk about some of these teams, this was an extremely, I mean, it was obviously a difficult year. It was difficult to pick a lot of these teams. Uh, a, I didn't see all the, I mean, I didn't watch as much college basketball this year as I may typically watch. I mean, you've got football season, which is which which doesn't happen, happening at the same time, and I'm not talking about in November and December. I'm talking about February. And so I didn't see as many teams as I would have liked. Just try to do some research. Um, you know, some losses you may look at and say, well, you know, did were they at full strength? Were they coming off a COVID situation? Did the best player not play? Did a key player not play? Those type of things. I mean, it was a, it was much more difficult to pick the teams. And I think you have to look at what teams are doing down the stretch. I think Florida State, Florida State had some bad losses this year. That's the thing about Florida State. They had some bad losses this year, and uh, but ultimately, you know, didn't finish the deal with the ACC. But I just don't think UNCG is going to have enough firepower to beat Florida State. So I like Florida State in that game. Um, LSU and St. Bonaventure, like this was a, this was a tough game to pick. Like I had to really go and do the research. I mean, I look at LSU. I mean, this is a year that I think the SEC is decent. In a year, by the way, where Kentucky is down, doesn't even make the tournament. And you got an LSU that ultimately makes the tournament. This is a 8-9 matchup. But when I looked at some of what St. Bonaventure had done, I mean, I really liked the Bonnies, and I, I, I ultimately went with St. Bonaventure in this game. Michigan. Is going to win number one seed, no question about it. Um, Creighton and UC Santa Barbara. Um, you know, Creighton caught a hot Georgetown team, right? Uh, again, Big East. And now I don't sleep on USC Santa Barbara. Like I don't sleep on any of those teams. What 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 school was was it was it UC Santa Barbara that Steve Nash went to? Whatever the school Steve Nash went to, I'll never forget it. Maryland, back when Maryland was in the ACC, was 1996. Maryland was pretty strong. Steve Blake, 
Well, no, no, no. Steve Blake wasn't on that team. No, I'm sorry. Steve Blake wasn't on that team. But Maryland was strong that year. And whatever team Steve, that was one of the one of the California teams. I think it was Santa Barbara. And they just came in and won. Like I don't sleep on UC Santa Barbara, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna go against Creighton either, having a solid season and coming out of the Big East. Alabama and Iona, like Alabama. Listen, Alabama's got the talent. It's got the team that could win the whole thing. Like, I don't think they will. I think when you look at the Michigans and the Illinois of the world, like I think, you know, Gonzaga, right? Like, I think Alabama isn't in that class. But you catch one of those teams on an off day with an Alabama team that's hitting on its cylinders, and we've seen what this Alabama team can do this year. This is an Alabama team that I have going far and I think ultimately has an opportunity to win it as well. The UConn and Maryland game, which is seven ten game, seven ten Eastern, was a bit of a harder game to pick. Like, I don't know what to make of Maryland this year. Like, I, I don't even know. Like, I'm not sure that Maryland even belongs in the tournament, but playing in a strong Big Ten and some key wins by the Terps ultimately enabled Maryland to get into the big dance at a number 10 seat. But that said, good for Maryland, able to get in, even with a 16 and 13 record. I mean, I think, you know, you can play 29 games. That's saying something. Like in this COVID situation, you're playing, like Maryland played as many games, maybe Maryland may have played more games than anybody in the country or almost anybody in the country. As I look at my sheet, I mean, look at, North Carolina played 28 games coming in with an 18 and 10 record coming into the tournament, right? I mean, I just think alone playing 29 games (laughs) helped to and and winning 16 in the Big Ten and winning some key games, even though they had some bad losses too, ultimately um, enabled the Terps to get in. Uh, But I like Connecticut. Like, I like Connecticut in this game, and I think the Huskies are going to win that game. Virginia and Ohio – yeah, Virginia's good. Like, they're good, but, you know, I don't know. Like, it's not, you, you know, you go back. I mean, UVA, obviously, the defending champs going back to the 18-19 season, okay? Uh, they The year before that, upset, right, by, uh, what is it, UN, UMBC, okay? You know, I think Virginia wins this game against Ohio, but I'm not sure Virginia, I mean, I don't think Virginia's going to win it Again, this year, I mean, you know, they preach defense. It's a very tough defensive team. I think this year you're going to need some offense. And, I, I you know, UVA's got a pretty decent seat at number four, but I don't think that the Cavaliers can win it this year. Missouri and Oklahoma. Like, this was, you know, you talk about eight, nine games. This was like a really tough eight, nine game to really, really pick. Uh, the eight, nine game always is tough. But sometimes you'll get a situation on those eight nines where you'll you'll get like a a, a big time a a conference or a team in a big conference, and then a team maybe that's not in as big a conference that just really really over I don't want to say overachieved but did really really well, and so it, it's sometimes it's hard to pick those uh, particular eight nine matchups. 
in Oklahoma and Missouri. But ultimately, I went with Oklahoma. I, I just think Oklahoma is, is slightly better uh, coming out of that Big 12, even though the, the SEC was decent and, and solid this year. I, I like Oklahoma in that game. Gonzaga, number one seed. Like, I'm got, I got Gonzaga winning that game. Um, and um, Texas, uh, like, Shaka Smart. Okay, finally coming together for Texas. Like, it took a while, but that shows sometimes you got to have patience with a good coach. Shaka Smart's a good coach. He comes over from VCU. Texas doesn't have a lot of success early on, but now they're getting it. They're number three seed, and I like Texas Tech. The final game, 957 tip, Oregon and VCU. Like, this was also a tough game. VCU, you know, decent conference, but I really liked Oregon. I mean, Oregon had some tough losses, but again, playing in the Pac-12, that was pretty solid this year. And I like Oregon in that game. Before I roll, I'm going to give you my prediction for the Box to Row National Game of the Week. As mentioned, Jackson State traveling to Montgomery to take on Alabama State. And I'm going to tell you what. In this football game, I am going to go with... Alabama State. I think Alabama State's going to win this football game. And listen, I'm running out of, t- out of time. A lot of different reasons I think so. You can go to our website, boxtorow.com, and listen to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today. And I'll break it down for you why I think Alabama State wins this football game. Thank you to Rod Reed, Johnny Jones, Robert Jones, all for joining us today. Here on From the Press Box to Press Row for more information on the program, including our daily podcast and the HBCU football polls, log on to our website, boxtorow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. From the Press Box to Press Row is presented by DW Communications.